Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. For the safety of you and others, please make sure all hands, feet, and arms remain inside. And please, watch your children. And now, let the show begin. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. A show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. So let's go back in time to when cats defended Third Earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, yo! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. Hey, what's up, Toonsers? Tim Nadell here. And if you're like me and grew up in the 80s or the 90s and watch a lot of Nickelodeon, chances are that you've seen our guest today a million times and you probably loved him as much as I did. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Mark Summers from Double Dare and Family Double Dare. Mark Summers! Nickelodeon and uh, we have a great time. We have an enthusiastic group of people on this stage. I can feel it already. Great, great shows that still live up today. I can't believe it. I mean, they're 30 years old. You can find them only on YouTube. I wish they'd come out with more new episodes and or at least maybe a DVD set of them, but at least we have them on YouTube. I can't complain about that. But I cannot tell you how excited I was to talk to Mark. I'm such a big fan of his stuff, his stuff on Nickelodeon as well as the Food Network. All amazing, high-quality shows. And, of course, follow us online. We're at SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Links are on there. Remember to rate us and subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Those really do help us out. And make sure to check out our Patreon page. If you want us to say your name or show on air on an upcoming episode, check out our perks on our Patreon page. It's all on our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. But anyways, on with the show. Here is our interview with Mark Summers. On your mark. Get set. Go! Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm a huge, huge fan of your work. Thank you. I appreciate that very much, more than you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I was six years old when Double Dare came out. Can you believe that? It's been 30 years. Six years old. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, the fact that it is 30 years is mind-boggling to me that a, the time went by, but also the fact that the fan situation is as crazy as it is, which, I, you know, I just started to realize that over the last couple of years, and then when the whole Comic-Con thing happened and that exploded, um, I don't know, it's fascinating to me why people are so attached and hooked on to what happened on a show from 1986. I know. I mean, there's been other game shows that have come and gone, but Double Dare just sticks with you. I don't know. It had heart and soul to it, I think. And why do you think that is? I'm going to ask you that question. I don't what, know. What was it? I, 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 you know, one thing was, I really loved how you didn't talk down to kids. Maybe that's what it was as a kid myself. Well, I'm glad you picked up on that because, you know, the deal was I never wanted to host a kid show. I wanted to host a, a grown-up game show. And so when I went out there and approached that, my idea was I'm doing Jeopardy, I'm doing Wheel of Fortune, 
And so I always treated the kids as equals. I didn't ever say in a squeaky voice, you know, do you have a girlfriend, Bobby? I yeah. mean, I, I treated them like, like adults. And I think they appreciated that because, you know, as you remember from time to time, I would sort of make fun of them in the nicest possible way. Occasionally I'd get notes from Nickelodeon. But, you know, they were all with me and they did a focus group and they said they thought I was some sort of either big brother or crazy uncle. And they, they kind of got it, which was fantastic. And, um, you know, it, yeah, I guess because of the feelings you have today, that, that kind of read through. Yeah. How old were you when you started Double Dare? I was 34. Oh, wow. I'll be, I'm 64 now. I'll be 65 in November. And, uh, yeah, I was 34 years old. And I had thought that uh, it was never going to happen. I thought my career was over with it. <laughs> um, and that I'd been trying for 13 years to become a game show host, and nothing was clicking. And for whatever reason, right time, right place, uh, the whole you know double dare thing happened, and it put them on the map and put me on the map. So that's how you got it? You just auditioned for it and just waited to hear back from them? No, I'll tell you what happened. I had a friend, Dave Garrison, who was a ventriloquist, who um, got the phone call initially and said, uh, he called me one night and said, you know what, I'm tired of doing this performing thing. I don't think it's ever going to work for me. We're going to move behind the scenes and become a producer. And I got a call. I don't know what this is. I've never heard of the network. It's called Nickelodeon. There's a game show. I don't even know what it's called. Why don't you go to the audition instead of me? So I did. Um, and like today, you couldn't even walk into an audition unless your agent had called and set it up and all that stuff. But I just walked in and I said, uh, I'm in for Dave Garrison. Dave couldn't make it, so I'm filling in. And um, I was the first guy to audition in L.A. They had auditioned 2,000 people in New York and didn't like any of them. Decided to come to Los Angeles. I was the first one to audition. I got out, I called my agent, and I said, I just want to let you know I just auditioned for a show called Double Dare for Nickelodeon, um, and I'm going to get this show. And he goes, yeah, i got 10 other clients going today, so good luck on that. <laughs> and then I got a phone call to do a, uh, a callback in July, and then I got another callback in August. So I, I had auditioned for them three times. And then um, um, uh, the... Um, Executive producer Mike Klinghoffer and the casting director, I always got their names when I'd go into an audition. And um, I called them at the end of August and I said, you guys are supposed to make a decision. What's the deal? And they said, well, we're, we're really sort of confused here because when they had done the initial auditions, they had um, used grown-ups playing the part of kids. And they said there was me and another guy who they really liked, but they had never seen us with kids. Hmm. So... I came up with the concept of flying me and whoever this other guy was to New York, putting us in a studio with kids and, um, you know, let the best man win. And so that's what they did the, that weekend, that Labor Day weekend of 1986. They flew me and whoever this other guy is, and to this day I don't know who it is, uh, and flew us to uh, to New York. And we both went into a studio and, uh, and did the shows. And uh, the next day they called me and said... Uh, you know, you got the job. And I said, well, after looking at a thousand people or however many you said, you looked at a thousand New York guys, and now I have to work. Um, why did I get the job? And they said, well, you guys were both basically the same, but at the end of uh, his audition, he looked at the camera and said, do you guys want me to do anything else? And I looked at the camera and said, we'll be back with more double there after this. I treated commercial. They thought that was more professional. Wow. And that's how I ended up with a job. Wow. Look at you. That's amazing. Well, you know what? I've been watching game shows since I was a kid, uh-huh. and uh, Barker was my idol, and I always knew that when you were done, you threw the commercial. Or, yeah. you know, we'll be back with more Price is Right. We'll be back more with Through the Consequences. We'll be back with more Jeopardy after this. 
And that's what I did, and instinctively it came out. I have a line in my one-man show that says, uh, who would have thought that watching TV would be the smartest thing I ever did? And that's what it turned out to be. <laughs> and what about your ventriloquist friend? How did you break the news that you got the part? You know what? Um, Dave was very thankful um, and happy for me, and he went on to become a huge producer here in Los Angeles. Um, fortunately, passed away about a year and a half ago, oh. uh, very uh, young. He was about 60 years old. Um, but Dave was always very positive when we worked together many times. In fact, he was the producer of what would you do? Oh, nice. So okay. We, we ended up working together in Nickelodeon and in a whole other form, uh, where he was telling me what to do. So it worked out great. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what about your favorite obstacle course? What was that out of the show? <laughs> well, you know, the gumball machine was always my favorite obstacle. That one just, uh, for some reason was fun. I, I always tested all the obstacles and physical challenges because I figured, if the kid did it, I should know what it felt like. <laughs> and so there was a, a, a moment of when you dived into that thing, for about two seconds, you didn't know what planet you were on, and then all of a sudden the, the bottom thing opened and, and you were out in civilization again. And that was kind of fun. Um, and, and I don't know, it was always, you know, what configuration can we put together? You know, the, the reality of it is we had a budget to have two uh, space camps given away in a, in a five-episode shoot. And sometimes the kids would sort of run the board and they'd win three in a row, and then we'd have to make the obstacle course harder, mm -hmm. uh, hoping they wouldn't win because uh, it would throw us over budget. But when you would build the, the hardest obstacle courses, they seemed to do them. And then we went sometimes seven, eight, nine shows for no wins, and we'd build the simplest one ever, and they couldn't do it. So you <laughs> never knew. It was about the athletic prowess. And we would walk them around the course prior to uh, them doing it and give them all the hints. You know, when you go up the Sunday slide, don't get your feet okay. in the uh, chocolate syrup. Put it on the side. So, you know, and, and the kids who were in such a daze that they actually made it wouldn't listen and they'd screw it up. But the kids who stayed focused and took the hints that we gave them were the ones who would win the course. Huh, interesting. I, th I think my, my favorite course was always the um, picket, the giant nose one. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of fun. Everybody keeps saying that seems to have become an iconic part of the show for whatever reason. Yeah. I, because I guess when you're a kid, uh, you're always told not to pick your nose, and now we're reporting you for doing it. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I also remember watching that uh, iconic Dateline interview that you did when you talked about your OCD. Now, mm -hmm. was living with OCD a big problem with you doing the show? It was not, and I'll tell you why. You know, there's all this, this is what I hate about the internet, about, you know, all these rumors that, you know, I never liked what's in it of it. I was always uh, upset and all that stuff. I wasn't. I was so focused. All I ever wanted to do was host a game show. And so there I was doing it. And, you know, I, I had had this issue of uh, neatness and orderliness for years. Didn't know what it was. Had never been properly diagnosed. But it was a matter of mind over matter. Now, they will tell you that sometimes, you know, as the show went on, kids would like to trash me and dump me in the pools and fill me full of whipped cream and God knows what other substances. The minute we were off the air, I wanted to take off that shirt and, you know, jump in the shower because I was a mess and I didn't like that feeling. But, you know, I defy anybody to look at 525 episodes of that program and ever get the feeling that I wasn't happy. I was laughing, I was enjoying it, and I was, uh, you know, loving every moment of it because I had finally got to the, the goal of the place I wanted to be. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it all, you know, it all worked out in many different ways because the OCD thing, I finally got properly diagnosed, was able to write a book, I was able to help a lot of people uh, in the process. And even uh, my wife and I were in uh, Sedona, Arizona last week, and this woman came up to me and practically in tears and said, you know, 
I didn't know what I had until I saw you on Oprah and I read your book and you changed my life. So wow. um, the impact that that's been has been incredibly you know, powerful. And that book was written in 1999. So here you are 17 years later and it, you know, still affects people. So, you know, it, it sort of was a win-win across the board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like you said, going back, I don't remember an episode where I didn't see you smiling when you got slimed or a pie in the face. That was fun. I loved it. It was really fantastic. I also just recently watched a, a newer interview with you talking about the name Gak, where the name came from. That was really interesting. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, sure. I mean, um, we were shooting initially in Philadelphia because uh, Nickelodeon didn't want to spend a lot of dough. The prices in New York were extremely high. And there was a PBS station, WHYY, in Philadelphia that wanted to get in the uh, production business. So it was sort of a, well, we need you and you need us. And so we moved down there. Back then, we were doing episodes for between nine and twelve thousand dollars an episode. You know, now you can't even open a door for that. But back in nineteen eighty-six, we did. And the guys who were on our crew were the nicest, smartest guys I'd ever met in my entire life. But there was a certain uh, amount of dabbling going on with the chemical substances, shall we say? <laughs> and uh, little did we know that the street term for heroin was gack. And so when we were making the slime. The guys or certain guys on the crew would say, who's making the gag today? So gag sort of stuck, um, and Nickelodeon thought it was a funny word. Little did they know at the time, didn't find out until well after the fact, that uh, it was a street term for heroin. So, uh, you know, a little, little side note there that uh, you kind of have to snicker at. <laughs> yeah, I, I never would have known, honestly, so that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> Tell me about Drunk Double Dare. Do you guys still do that? <laughs> Every year during Beer Week in uh, Philadelphia, uh, we just did, I think, our fourth or fifth one. Uh, Drunk Double Dare was something that was created by uh, Stephen Starr's uh, restaurant company, and uh, they asked me to come in and uh, do it during Beer Week. And because we were in Philly, they found many of the guys who built the original obstacles to be able to duplicate uh, Pickett and uh, many of the physical challenges. And it started off sort of as a fluke in year one, and, you know, we sold out the joint. People were standing around the block for hours. And uh, we did it, I think, three or four years in a row. And they had to go a year off because uh, Bobby Flay was getting a star on the Walk of Fame, fame mm. of L.A., and he's been uh, a big supporter. And so uh, it just coincided that things were happening at the same time, so I had to pass. But we were back this year doing it. And uh, Robin uh, is my assistant, and Harvey comes to announce. And, uh, you know, think about it. Alcohol, physical challenges, slime, and whipped cream. <laughs> what better uh, things could you put together? Oh, that would be amazing, especially if, you know, it'd be great if, like, a kid who competed in the 80s would come and do it now as a drunk adult. Oh, you know what? We've had that. Really? Of yeah, we've had a lot of people uh, come up who were part of the show. In fact, that's one of the things we want to do, the 30th anniversary, you know, around the corner, October 6th. And I've been talking to Nickelodeon about the concept of finding two teams uh, from the Philly area who played against each other and have a grudge match, the team that lost, you know, yeah. now is four years old. Uh, go against the team that won and see if they can, uh, you know, win and go to space camp uh, and, and put <laughs> things back to square one. So, you know, it's it's in the works. Will it get done? Gosh, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you're you're thinking on the same wavelength that I am. Oh yeah, I mean that that for me that would be a huge hit. It'd be so much fun. Yeah. So especially you know you should create like now that the whole online thing is huge. You should do like a podcast episode where certain podcasts compete or YouTubers compete, something like that. Yeah, I know it's also different now because uh, I remember when the first Apple computer came out, we were working on Double Dare and people were playing golf and pong 
uh-huh. blown away by what the, the first uh, Apple was, and now you think about what has happened in the last 30 years. It's, and we were all fascinated by by the equipment at that point. Can you imagine that? You know, if we would have ever thought what it would become, who had any, any idea? I know. No, sir, it's, it's gone so fast, and I'm honestly a little scared of it. Oh, yeah. We all should be, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, growing up, my dad was a executive chef in Reno, Nevada, and so we love really? watching food stuff. And uh, so, with segueing into the Food Network stuff you do, you and you really allowed my dad and myself to bond as adults with all your shows you do on there. And uh, he recently passed away five years ago. So, thank Sorry. you for those amazing memories because he was disabled the last maybe ten years of his life. And we would sit down, and Unwrapped was one of his favorite shows that he'd watch. Hey, uh, that's amazing. It makes you feel great. And I've always felt fortunate. The kind of television I've been fortunate enough to do has been the kind of TV that moms and dads and kids can sit and watch together. Because moms always would stop me and say, you know, I watch Double Day every day for that one thing you, you do for us. Because I would always throw in an adult comment or joke, uh, and the kids would you know, not get it, but the parents would, they'd always laugh. It was sort of on the same wavelength as Rocky and Bullock, the sort of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, adult and kid humor. Um, but unwrapped, I hear this over and over again, that, you know, families would sit, you know, it's all about time spots. And uh, unwrapped uh, aired at a time where families would sit together. And Double Dare was perfect because it was 5.30 and mom was cooking dinner. She'd yeah. say, watch your show and then would eat. Gave her time to finish everything up. The kids would be, uh, you know, laughing and giggling and having a great time. And uh, I think Unwrap, I hear that all the time. The families love to sit down and, uh, and uh, watch it together. Where was your dad exec chef? Where, what, he was, was yeah, he, he was at three different locations in Reno. Uh, first one when I was little, little was Harris Casino. Mm-hmm. And then the second one was called Rapscallions. It's downtown Reno. And then he got um, transferred to uh, Hidden Valley Country Club in Reno. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, all nice places. Good oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, he he was having a great time there, but then you know a lot of physical things were happening and wasn't able to work anymore around 1998ish. Mm. So he was very young when that happened. Huh? Yeah, no, he he actually died um, in '98, and he had to re- be revived like three to four different times in the ambulance oh ride. And come to find out, he had an enlarged heart, and uh, oh. it, it just it just gave up on him. Back to unwrapped. I th- my favorite episode was the uh, Disney Delights episode. Do you remember that one? I do, and I'll tell you why I remember it. Because they uh, asked us to come down to Disney. Uh, there were all sorts of uh, handlers and things we could say and do and can't do and this and that. And it was uh, a, t- a tough couple of days of shooting. But when that thing aired, it exploded. And to this day, when they do reruns, anything Disney and Unwrapped mm-hmm. goes off the charts, which is fascinating <laughs> to me. But I guess you have, you know... Two semi, you know, one's an American institution and one's almost an American institution. You put them all together and you get behind the scenes. And uh, and it is pretty fascinating the way they feed, you know, bazillions of people on a daily basis. Funny thing that happened to me when we were shooting that is I was supposed to do an introduction with uh, the guy who played the, the goofy uh, costume character. And all of a sudden he starts pointing to his watch and, and I didn't know if he was asking me what time it was or whatever. Uh-huh. What he was telling me was he needed a 10-minute break. Those costume characters get like 10-minute yes. breaks every 40 minutes or something. And so we had to stop production because Whoopi needed to go sit down <laughs> 10 minutes. That's what, that's what I remember from that shoot. It was so ridiculous. Oh, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. In the episode, <laughs> you, you talked about being able to go to Club 33 at some point in your life. What was that experience like? 
Well, I was cool. You know, I didn't even know what Club 33 was, and I did a uh, promotional thing for Disney, and they said, uh, would you like to come uh, as our guest at Club 33? And I said, well, what is that? And they said, what's the only place in the park that serves liquor? And I said, well, explain that to me. And, um, you know, they told me it was, you know, really nice food and, and all that kind of stuff, and you could watch time, the Main Street Electrical Bluff Parade from up uh, the balcony there, and they kept it hidden well. You had to go through somewhere like the secret door at Pirates of the Caribbean to find the thing, and then you get up there, and it, it was pretty uh, pretty amazing. And, and I, you know, they have a limited membership, and, uh, you know, you got to wait for somebody to die to get in and all that kind of stuff. And it was, it was kind of a fun experience. I took uh, my son and uh, our daughter and a couple of their friends, and uh, it was really an enjoyable once-in-a-lifetime kind of situation. Yeah, it's it's on my bucket list. It's like near the top of my bucket list. I just want to be invited at some point because it would be amazing. It's pretty cool. I saw on IMDb that you're working on a documentary right now called On Your Mark. So it's about yourself, obviously. Uh, what can you tell us about that? Well, uh, actually, it's not me. It's a guy by the name of Matt Clickstein who wrote the book called Slimes uh, based yes, on okay. uh, the whole history of Nickelodeon. And Matt came to me uh, when he found out I was doing this one-man show and said, I think we should do a document, documentary, a document, uh, on it. And, uh, and I said, why? Why would anybody want to watch a doc <laughs> on me? And he goes, you'd be surprised. So I thought about it, and first I was negative about it, and I, to this day I would say he talked me into it, and I'm glad he did. They followed the process of me rehearsing and doing uh, Life and Slimes of Mark Summers down in Bloomington, Indiana. We've since then at the uh, uh, Adirondack Theater Festival last week. Um, and then who knew that this whole 30th anniversary stuff was going to happen and all Comic-Con stuff. So it's following me through the process of doing the one-man show, but also other things I do, uh, charity events, uh, many things uh, that uh, worked out extremely well. And um, we're not we're almost done. We've got a couple more interviews uh, that we're doing with major celebrities. And um, the first, the rough cut, I think, is going to be ready mid to late September. And, you know, and then we'll see what happens with it. But it's been an interesting process, that's for sure. Yeah, I bet it's kind of weird. You know, like you said, who wants to watch a movie about me? But it would be super interesting, I think. Well, you know, you look at it, you'll tell me to feel that way, but it's, uh, you know, it's like anything else. When you do reality TV, it's reality. I mean, it's real, but it's, you know, it's dark, it's not uh, anything made up. Um, and people are the best on reality shows when they forget the cameras are there. And I think that's what happened to me is after a while, they were just, they were following me for six, eight weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. But I didn't think about it much after a while. And we went back to my high school in Indianapolis and my junior high and met my first grade teacher wow. and kind of, you know, walked around and that kind of stuff. So I haven't seen it yet. They've been working on it for months um, and they've held it back until uh, they're ready to show it to them. So uh, you should call Clickstein and he could inform you more about it than I can. Nice, it's yes. A fun process. Very cool. And so what else are you currently working on right now? Anything else you wanted to promote or talk about? Well, uh, trying to get this one-man show to the next level. We've had some offers uh, to do it off-Broadway, but uh, even an off-Broadway show costs a million bucks these days, so we're in the middle of uh, doing all that other kind of stuff. Um, just shooting a pilot uh, that we finished up in Tampa, Florida this past weekend, and, uh, you know, I always have 17 balls in the air, but, uh, <laughs> you know, things are good. I, have, I can't complain. Nice. Keeping busy. 
Yeah, absolutely. What about your Twitter? Did you want to throw your Twitter out there for people to follow? Uh, yeah, it's a silly one. It's I-V-A-T-V-M-C. Uh, when Twitter first started, I didn't really get it. And so I was screwing around, and I thought I-V-A-T-V-M-C was cute and clever. I should have just done Mark Summers, the real Mark Summers. <laughs> and now that I've been verified, I contacted Twitter, and they won't let me change it. So, oh, uh, uh, you know, yeah, I wish I would have done it uh, the right way. But anyway, I-V-A-T-V-M-C is what it is. And uh love to communicate with people. It would be fantastic. Nice. Mark, thank you so much. Like I said, huge, huge fan. Thank you for everything, you, everything you've done for my childhood and, you know, my adult years as well. Thank you, sir, and I uh, appreciate your time. And uh, sorry I was a little bit late on the phone call, but I hope things worked out. Thanks for listening to that Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks.